<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And I'm, I'm very happy with the product that we've we've uh, we came to. Happy that we've gotten this uh, passed. And now I'm more interested in trying to implement it and make sure that it works for the benefit of the city of Chicago. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. My guest this week is Alderman Rod Sawyer, one of several city council champions of the landmark civilian police oversight ordinance that passed the city council this week. Alderman, thank you for joining us and congratulations to you. Take a bow. Oh, thank you very much, Fran. Appreciate it. Before we get into talking about civilian oversight, let's talk a little bit about you. You were elected alderman in 2011 by 104 votes over Fredrina Lyle. You're serving your third mm -hmm. term. You represent the sixth ward, which includes Chatham and Chesterfield, Englewood, Greater Grand Crossing, Park Manor, and Auburn Gresham. And you are the son of former acting mayor Eugene Sawyer. Your dad was your best friend. What lessons did you learn from Gene Sawyer, who I covered, by the way, and was among the mm -hmm. most likable alderman I have ever known? Uh, thank you, Franny. And he was. He was someone that I, I, I idolized and, and, and listened to every day. Um, I was at his side walking around the ward uh, as a child, and, and I saw how people gravitated toward him, and it really impressed me. Uh, but one of the lessons that he always taught me, were, they were very simple lessons. Uh, he always knew that I was the one that was interested in politics. And he always told me a couple of things. He told me, learn how to count. And in this business, counting is 26. So, uh, you know, I always uh, took that and I always make sure I try to count votes when I'm when I'm involved in something that that needs support. And the other big lesson he taught me was to make friends. He said, this, this business is about addition, not about division. So you always try to add value by uh, making friends because he said enemies came on their own. You didn't have to try to make enemies. They, they nearly came. Try to make friends. Yeah, and, and that's why your dad was close to Ed Burke. He played mm -hmm. cards at Ed Verdoliak's house. And that's yeah. just mm -hmm. part of the reason why your dad was chosen by the Verdoliak 29 to serve as acting mayor mm -hmm. after Harold Washington died in 1987. And at that infamous council meeting where Dick Mel stood on mm -hmm. the top of his desk and shouted that Chicago had itself a mayor. How did that close relationship between your dad, Burke, and Verdoliak develop? And do you have a similar relationship with Burke? 
Um, well, I can say this. Um, Ed Burke was one of my dad's closest friends. People, you know, even though they were aligned different politically, uh, you know, personally, they were good friends. He was good friends with Ed Verdoliak. It is true. They, uh, my mom and dad played cards over at the Verdoliak's house on a regular basis when I was a child. Um, they talked, you know, they talked on a regular basis. Like, and again, even though they were politically not aligned, but specifically during that time, they always uh, maintained the friendship. And one of the last people my dad ever saw before he passed away was Ed Burke. And um, as it relates to my relationship with Ed Burke, it's 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 very good. Uh, he is someone that had uh, taken me under his wing when I first came in and, and assisted me on various levels, uh, added me to um, ordinance, uh, ordinances, ordinances that he uh, worked on and we worked on together. So I, I consider him a friend and someone that I, I can always look to for advice. And what advice has he given you? Well, to the few times that I've, I've sought advice from him, he just, you know, just told me the, um, you know, to work, you know, work your numbers. He told me the same thing my dad would tell me, you know, uh, make sure you get around to people, talk to people, make sure that they understand what you're trying to do. Uh, make sure you, you uh, align yourself with good people and count votes. Uh, he's given me similar advice and and I always appreciate it. He's never been uh, someone that tried to steer me in the wrong direction. Lori Lightfoot calls him Burger King Ed, and she humiliated him at the first city council meeting and has continued to do that all along. Is she wrong to do that, even though he's now indicted and involved in a fighting a, um, a racketeering indictment that accuses him well, of I mean, using his position to benefit mm -hmm. his law firm? You know, I don't know much about his his legal cases, but except for what I read in the newspaper. Uh, all I can attest to is the man that I know and the man that I've uh, talked to over the ma many years that I've known him, uh, not just in the council, but prior to that. And he's been nothing to me but a, a fair gentleman and um, a, a, a source, a sounding block for if I have uh, ideas to bounce off, I was always able to speak with him. Uh, I wish him nothing were, but well in his life. Um, that's what I can say about him. Those relationships that your dad had with Burke and Verdoliak is at least mm -hmm. part of the reason why he was able to deliver so mm -hmm. much of Washington's legislative agenda that got blocked during council wars, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the things that were passed um, during that short tenure uh, included, you know, likes Wrigley Field, the Human Rights Ordinance, um, landmark labor agreements for police and fire and all the labor unions. You know, those things could not have been done unless there was some collaboration with my dad and the council members that, that existed at the time. And, and fortunately, my dad had those types of relationships back then where he can pass things that even Harold uh, had some difficulty passing. He probably, he sure would have passed them in the second term had he had the opportunity, but he passed way too soon. Your dad ran against uh, Tim Evans for mayor in the 89 election won by Rich Daly. In the mm -hmm. end, he was accused of being what his critics called an Uncle Tom. And you've said that he was despondent about that. It broke his heart. That must have really been hard for you to watch as his son. Well, he was. It was it was very difficult. That, that time was a tumultuous time. Um, my dad 
only wanted to best serve his his people and uh, the people in his community and the people of Chicago, and that's really all he wanted to do. And in retrospect, all that all my dad wanted to do in that particular time after Harold died was serve out his term. And you know, at the people that knew my dad, and you might have even known this back in Fran, my dad was on the verge of retiring before uh, at that point. This would have been that would have been my dad's last term serving as alderman, and he was planning on moving on with his life. You know, either going to the public sector, you know, private sector, or doing something else. But he had made that you know people that really knew him close knew that that was his last term running as alderman, and correspondingly, when Harold unexpectedly died. And he was chosen. His his desire was only to serve out the term and to finish what Harold started. And he was coached so those, into those, running those, by who? Well, I mean, like I said, running really was not when when Harold passed. Uh, I was I was there when Harold passed. I happened to be in the area because um, my I was in my first year of law school at the time, and I was close by. So when I saw it up on the news. I immediately called my dad and I told him I was around the corner. So I ran over to city hall and he was sitting there crying and a lot of people were around him. Um, uh, they handed me a phone and, t- and then they drove us home. And then from that point on, I stayed at my dad's house uh, for that entire week up until the funeral. And I was the person that answered the phones when people called and, and, you know, but that's when people were just telling me, you know, you're a natural choice. You should be the one that, that carries on Harold's legacy. But that was not the thought in his head at that time. It was, you know, his friend died. And that's what he was concentrating on. And, you know, a lot of other people were maneuvering and, and, and you know, making deals. And, and my dad was just sitting there literally despondent about uh, a close friend of his passing away so suddenly. And, they, and he knew the impact of, of that for the city of Chicago. So uh, eventually the conversation started turning towards, you know, you know, you, him being the person that could carry on that legacy. And, um, you know, it, it just happened. It was a natural flow. It was nothing that, that he put up and it wasn't that he was uh, hesitant about doing it. It was just something that was unexpected. And he was not in that mindset at that particular time. But what happened, uh, people just kept at him and said, you know, you're the natural choice. You're the senior black member. You're chair of rules. You're also president pro tem. We know that you were a trusted voice to Harold. You know, he listened to you and he knew that you can deliver votes. And the combination of all that just made him more of a natural choice to uh, succeed Harold as, as mayor at the time. Let's talk about civilian review, which is something you and Harry Osterman have championed for almost six years. Why did yes. it take so long, and how do you feel that the baby has now been delivered? Well, you know, it's 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 a culmination of a lot of hard work. Uh, you know, standing with all the variety of community members, I've been to scores of meetings, uh, and and Harry and I were were you know we were on the gap aside, and we worked at. Um, we worked at a couple years before we introduced an ordinance. I was looking at my old press clippings that uh, that were sent to me, and we worked on that very hard. And you know, we worked on it in the prior administration, trying to get some agreement. Didn't quite work out. We retooled and, and reintroduced it in the new administration, which we thought we would have some more, you know, flexibility. And that tended to be a little bit of a challenge, but we kept at it. And and, and when we brought on. 
uh, especially when we, we merged with the, the CPAC group. So we then brought on uh, Leslie Harrison and, and Carlos Ramirez Rosa, who have been invaluable to this process as well. Uh, it's just fulfilling that we finally got it done, even though it took many, many years to do it. But I'm that kind of person that once I get onto something, I, I tend not to let go. I want to make sure that it works and, and take it all the way to the end. And I'm, I'm very happy with the product that we've, we've, uh, we came to happy that we've gotten this, uh, passed. And now I'm more interested in trying to implement it and make sure that it works for the benefit of the city of Chicago. I have to believe that you forged your partnership, your unlikely partnership with Osterman in mm-hmm. your father's spirit of counting votes and adding and all that stuff. And Fran, when, this, yeah, when, yeah, go ahead, go I'm ahead. sorry. Go ahead. No, when we when when Gappa came to, when approached me back in around sixteen, uh, they had asked me to uh, champion this ordinance that they've been they've been working on and continually working on it at the time. I said, "Well, I can I cannot do it alone." I said, "I need somebody that that geographically makes sense that I can get votes from the north side." And we were talking it through. And actually, after a couple of minutes, I said, "Well, you know, what about Harry Osterman? I think he's a nice guy." You know, I, I knew his history. I knew what kind of things he worked on. And I also knew the legacy of his mother, uh, the family legacy, who was a wonderful person that my dad was close to. So it was something that uh, seemed like a natural fit, although people think it was an unlikely fit. But I thought it was quite natural to have geographic representation on the north and the south side. Uh, it would give us the best chance to get the, the required number of votes that we needed. Yes, so it was, uh, your dad yeah. would be proud. And you also knew that the number, mm-hmm. magic number, was not 26. It was 34. It was 34, because, absolutely. Yeah, that's, right. a, that's a hell of a benchmark because you yeah. had something that Im- implemented a new election structure. That's correct. The district councils. The stalemate, at least in recent months, was over who mm-hmm. would have final say in disputes over police policy and whether mm-hmm. the seven-member appointed commission would be empowered to take a binding no-confidence vote in the superintendent. In this mm-hmm. whole dispute, you kind of split the baby. You are able to take a vote of no confidence, the seven-member commission can, mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. superintendent, it, it would then trigger a city council vote, which has to be by two thirds, but the mayor would not be bound by it. Why not? That's right. And isn't that well, we figured, a problem? No, no, actually it's not a problem. And, and if you take it to its logical conclusion, if, if a superintendent is doing so poorly or they've, they've, they've not done their job to the extent that, the public is asking for their removal. We institute, institute a vote of no confidence and, and we get a two thirds majority. We kind of figure that person pretty much out the door anyway. I, I would, I would bet dollars to donuts that person was, would be fired prior to us even getting to the final vote. And I think that's the kind of pressure that, and that's the community pressure. That'll be community pressure. That'll be placed upon the mayor to say, okay, I have to do something. I have to get rid of this person. Uh, this person's not doing their job. You know, it's about to be embarrassing. Let me go ahead and, and pull the trigger. And I think that would happen more likely than us going all the way through getting a vote of no confidence and presenting it to the mayor. I believe that that, you know, would be an indication, particularly from the community, that that person needs to go. And I, I don't think we'd ever get to that point. Yeah, Same you with don't policy. think the mayor could ignore it? 
You don't think I don't think America America ignore it at all. No, 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 not at all. And that's why we came to that conclusion. Once we got to that point, we kind of figured that person would be gone anyway. And 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 it's that same uh, instance. The same with policy. Policy. Let's be clear. Uh, it's a lot of front end negotiation that we put into the ordinance that that encourages the superintendent and the commission to work together towards implementing policy. And that is intentional because we want people to negotiate and collaborate and continue to talk and work the problem out as it relates to policy. In the rare occasion where a decision, a final decision has to be made that may be controversial, the commission does have that say to implement that policy. And then that gives the mayor an opportunity to chime in to reject that policy. And explain why in writing. Yes, and, and explain why. And if the mayor chooses to do that, we then as a council have an opportunity to override that rejection with a two thirds vote. Again, if the community feels strongly enough to say that the commission's vote is the correct vote, they will put pressure on the mayor, put pressure on us to do what they feel is right. And again, it's, it's, it's community driven. If the community rises up and says, they, the commission is correct. We need you as council members to override the mayor's rejection, confirm what the commission states, and they do their job, which we know we fully expect the, the community to do. Then we would vote the community's conscious and with a two thirds vote, confirm the commission's decision. And the mayor has said she doesn't think disputes will even get to that point. Or I doubt, you know, I, and I agree. I, I don't think that they'll, you know, uh, we know that other municipalities that have similar um, functions, they've either never got to that or got to that uh, once or twice in their entirety of, of existence. So we, 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 we agree with that. There would also be three member district councils in each of the 22 police districts. That's you correct. said there needs to be a recruitment process to convince people to run for these seats. What happens if people don't step up? You know, I, I'm fully confident that that people will will, will rise up and, and want to get involved in this. Uh, we just had to make sure that people understand what, you know, know that this is their opportunity to really be involved and, and, and getting some collaboration with the police department. So I'm, I'm confident that people will step up and do the right thing. We'll come out and run for these positions at district council. They will make nominations to the final commission uh, when the vote comes up in 2023. And I believe that we will have that spirit of collaboration that we need right now because there's, as you know, there's a real big disconnect between the community and the police department. There's no trust there. That's why we're not solving the crimes that are being committed out here because no one wants to come forward and let the police know what they know. We have to we have to reset that and correct that. And this is one of these efforts to do just that, to reset that relationship. Let's correct that and make sure that there's a spirit of collaboration between the community and the police so that the police can do their intended job, which is to solve crime. There will be an interim commission with members nominated by the Rules Committee. Do you have in mind anybody who should serve? What kind of people are you looking for? 
we're looking for people that are on the ground, uh, everyday people that are willing to, to roll up their sleeves and work with the police, work with the community. Uh, not afraid to go out in the street and walk up and down and talk with people. So, I mean, there are no specific, uh, and we made it, that was something that was very intentional. And that was part of the last, the weekend negotiations. We did not want to put too much, um, too many uh, individual requirements on people. You know, people are going to, are going to submit their individual life stories, their individual resumes and, and ask people to be considered and ask uh, the council and the mayor to be considered for these positions. But we want to hear their story. We want to hear if they have some life experiences or their connections to their community to make sure that they're adequate candidates to be part of the commission. So all it, all it takes is some, some eagerness to do this willingness to, to get involved and, you know, and maybe an interesting life story that will get them over the top. Alderman Anthony Napolitano, whose far northwest side ward is home to scores of police officers, and he himself is a former police officer, predicted this week that cops who already feel under siege will lay back even more because of this 12th layer of police oversight, as he put it. He has predicted crime will triple and that you'll be back in six months creating another panel to find out why. Aren't you worried about crime and police retirements escalating with people, even more people looking over the shoulder of cops? I mean, last month, 10 people were shot and one person was killed when a pair of shooters opened fire along a busy commercial strip in Chatham. Aren't you worried about that? And isn't crime the most pressing problem that Chicago has? Well, crime is the most pressing problem Chicago has right now. And people are already retiring now at an at a increased rate more than they've ever done before. So that problem is happening right now. So what, what Anthony is talking about is occurring right now. We all should be, be, be worried about it, but we all should be trying to do something about it. It's happening today. So what he's talking about is happening in the future is already happening right now. So, yes, we're concerned well, how about how does this crime. make it better, I guess, is what I'm asking. We It makes it better because we're encouraging a spirit of collaboration between the police and the community. We're not trying to divide them. We're trying to connect them. They're already divided. They're divided right now. There's a problem now. You know, all and, and they talk about all these oversight, quote unquote, oversight agencies. Is that improving crime today? It's not. Is it making people feel safer? It's not. We have to continue to try to do something to to bring the community and the police together. Everything that we've been talking about, he's trying to separate the police and the community like they're two, two different people. The police are part of the community. They want to go, we all want police to go home at night. I support the police. I want the police to be able to do their jobs. But I think for them to best do their jobs, they have to work with the community. They have to work with people that are here every day that could give them good information on solving crimes which is where we're lacking right now. So, I mean, to, to Anthony's point, I respect him. I actually like Anthony, but I think he's totally off base in this, in this regard. The things he's talking about is already happening. We're trying to get them to stop happening. How is David Brown doing as police superintendent? Is he up to the job? Uh, you know, I, I think he's a nice gentleman and I think he's doing everything that he can. Um, you know, it's it's just I, I believe that, you know, the job is a lot. You know, this is it's it's a lot different. It sounds like than than Dallas, 
which I heard he did a great job down there. Um, I would like to see a little bit more um, collaboration with uh, he and our and the respective aldermen. Uh, I don't have a lot of, you know, as opposed to other superintendents who I talk to regularly, I don't have much interaction with uh, Superintendent Brown. Um, hardly ever talk to him. I've seen him on the street a couple of times. And again, he's seems to be, you know, working hard, doing what he can. But I think that he can do a little bit better with uh, working with uh like Alderman and other community members uh, with, you know, his crime fighting efforts. Is he still yanking cops out of your neighborhood and other neighborhoods? Uh, well, we've actually been pretty good with, with uh, police presence in the neighborhood. Obviously after the, the tragic shooting on 75th street, uh, we've had police pretty much all around, but you know, that doesn't necessarily stop things from happening. And again, I don't put that on the police. I don't put, you know, criminal activity on the police. I want police to be able to solve uh, the crimes. You know, if there's a shooting, I want them to be able to apprehend the shooter and bring them in for justice so they can be uh, brought in to be tried. That's what the police are supposed to do. And that's what I'm expecting them to do. Focus on that and do that well. Do you like his crime fighting strategies? He's created these roving units again. That's, you know, like reinventing the wheel. We've, we've been here before. Is it working? Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of the roving patrols. Like I'd rather have, you know, just people on the street, you know, boots on the ground kind of action. Um, you know, these patrols, I don't know, you know if they're working or not. I'm sure they'll give us more information as things go on, as they're implementing these patrols but history will tell us i don't think they work that well and then and the I, numbers I, show I, that they don't i mean look yes. at what goes on every weekend in chicago yeah. even during the week it's a blessing yeah, and, and again and again like you said uh, I, i'm not necessarily putting the the shootings and the criminal activity on the police but i'm expecting them to be able to apprehend these people and bring them to justice that's what the police are supposed to do be able to and in order to do that sometimes you just have to be present you have to be around and i don't think we have enough policemen around we have a lot of policemen but they're on these roving patrols they're 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 hanging downtown um which again i'm not saying that downtown is not important downtown is extremely important to us all but we need that presence out in the neighborhoods where the criminal activity is happening so that they'll be in a position to uh, get good information and apprehend these people as quickly as possible. In a poll done this week for Cranes in the Daily Line, Mayor Lightfoot's approval rating was 23%. That is dismal. Wow. Are you giving any thought to challenging her in 2023? My, my thoughts right now are, are to be the best alderman that I can try to be, you know, constantly learning to improve myself and and help improve my community. That's where my, my concentration is right now today. Um, I have no knowledge on, you know, I, I didn't have not kept up with her poll results because, you know, I've had a lot to deal with on my own. You know, six wards had a lot of issues to deal with and uh, I'm trying to bring economic development here. We're trying to reduce crime, uh, trying to bring opportunity to the people in the ward. That's my concentration and focus right now. Well, but that could change, couldn't it? You know, Fran, uh, I can say anything can change. You know, anything can happen. I, I, I don't know what's what's in store for me tomorrow or the next day. But today, 
you know, I'm, I'm concentrating on trying to be the best alderman I can be and improve where I, I might be deficient and, and keep working on that and uh, making sure that I make connections with my, my residents and my business owners. And again, be the best that I possibly can. During the battle over her pandemic budget, the mayor famously warned the members of the Black Caucus, don't ask me for you know what for three years when it comes to choosing projects for her capital plan. You yourself have criticized her tactics and her lack of collaboration. Will that be an issue for her and has it gotten any better? Well, I, I think that's one of the challenges that, that the mayor has right now is is uh, someone told me this, uh, you, uh, you know, there's one thing for being a bad loser. You'd never want to be a bad winner. <laughs> and you, you, you want to make sure that you, you, you put, your, put your feelings aside, you know, especially when you're the victor and you, you've won the race. Let's move all that aside. Let's work on making things better for the city of Chicago. And I think that's where we all need to be, trying to do what we can to make Chicago better. Uh, you know, cast any differences aside and let's work on that. So I, I think that's something I think she's trying to continue to work on. Um, I know that uh, it, it has been a challenge. Uh, you know, either myself or talking to other people that have that similar concern. And I think that's something What's that, the concern, you know, that she gloats, that she uh, takes things too personally, that she's not collaborative enough. What is it? Well, you know, I, I think that, you know, this was this I think this last weekend, uh, she's come a long way in the spirit of collaboration. So I I compliment her on that. You know, we needed that that extra push and we needed those couple of extra votes that she was able to provide for us uh, to uh, get this thing over the top. And again, I, I was appreciative of that. And I think that's showing that she's coming away from you know, where she started uh, when she first got into the office uh, a couple of years ago. But I think that's something that we all, you know, that needs to be worked on. And if if I was going to make a, a criticism or a constructive criticism, that would be, I would say the collaboration portion would, would be something that, that, that could be worked on. And uh, again, starting off today, I think this, I mean, last week, it was a good start. The budget battle ahead with the $1.9 billion in stimulus money and how to spend it could be a big battle as well. Do you expect that? I expect there's going to be a lot of vigorous conversation about that and, you know, making sure that also that our structural deficit is, is controlled. And, you know, you know, even though we have this largesse of money coming in, we have everyday problems that we have to deal with. And that includes our, our, our structural, but our deficit that we still have. Pension, pension obligations. Crisis. Yeah, obviously yeah. the pension that we still have. You know, we still have to make sure that we do things uh, that will will make sure that we can reduce these debts. I was talking to a friend just last night uh, talking about had we uh, done the, the pension obligation bond, for example, we would have been in a lot better position had we done yeah. it. Yeah. A uh, few, and not not this was not during the life of the administration. We should have done it during the Emanuel administration. Absolutely, he wanted to do and, it, and he and wanted to do it. That was one of the no, things no, I agree no, with. Him. I actually agree yeah. with him. I actually agree with him. I was one of the few that agree with him on that. And I thought it was a good thing to do. Should um, we do it now? You know, it, or is it? Too I don't late? know if it, I don't know if it, I think it might be too late now. Yeah. It was good then because way the the you know way every way the, the financial financial climate was at that time. 
when I was talking to financial advisors, they said it's the ideal time to do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think they would have thought that the, the economy would, would have made the kind of leaps and jumps that it did, which would have made those bonds, you know, very attractive to us right now. Uh, we would have been in a far better position, but you know, that's speaking that's retrospectively. Life. So, right. Yeah, yeah. That's life, you know, and the budget battle and the stimulus battle will also be at the same time as the remap battle. That's, that's correct. Be another tough one where black population losses would seem to dictate a loss mm-hmm. of black wards. Several of them. Yeah. Yes. But we're, we're going to stand pat and try to maintain the 18 black wards that we have. Um, you know, we're going to work, you know, we've, we've, we had a retreat with the black caucus and, you know, one of the main items on the retreat was talking about remap and our, our need to stay together and to protect one another in keeping 18 black wards. So that was something that we're, I'm hoping that we'll, we'll stand pat on and we not try to cannibalize each other when the process actually starts. Yeah. Alderman Rod Sawyer, I think your dad would be very proud of you, particularly this week as you delivered and you learned how to count votes. 34 of them. Congratulations again to you and thank you for joining us and we will see you all next week. Thank you, Fran. I appreciate it.